Good morning. We have a wonderful crowd this morning. So glad to be with each and every one of you. A few weeks ago, we saw one of our young brothers do his first sermon, present his first sermon as a Christian from this pulpit. It was wonderful to see uh, him take that role. We've just seen another young Christian get out of his comfort zone and lead the scene for the congregation, lead us in worship to God this evening. What, a, what a, one, another wonderful first, amen? I was glad I was here for that, Kurt. You did a wonderful job, and, and keep on. The more you, more you do that, the, the, the less nervous you feel. I know how nervous, I feel nervous now. I feel nervous now. Jeremiah was, if you said bullfrog, it shows your age. I was nervous about that joke. I didn't know if it would go off or not. I had no idea. <laughs> Jeremiah was an unpopular preacher. For more than 40 years, he proclaimed to the southern kingdom of Judah a message of doom. How would you like that to be your message the whole time? Doom. He proclaimed this message and because of it he was hated. He, he was persecuted by his countrymen. His message was, unless you change God's divine judgment, God's wrath is going to come upon you in the form of an army from Babylon. And you're going to be destroyed. And you're going to be led away into captivity. You're going to become slaves to this people if you don't change. Jeremiah had the difficult task of confronting an insane country. Let me tell you why they were insane. As the threat of captivity drew closer, the people saw no need to change their lifestyle. They saw no need to change their habits. They saw no need to change their, their unapproved worship. They saw no need to change their disobedience. And yet they still thought God would protect them. Insane. Around 605 B.C. or so, Jeremiah wrote this. O oh Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision. Being laughed at is what that means. I had to look it up. I am in, I've, I've been laughed at daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not. Jeremiah didn't care. A lot of the time that he was being hurt by his countrymen. But we see here at times that he did care. It was a problem for him. He, he did care what others thought about him. 
Look here, he made up his mind not to speak anymore in God's name. He said, I'm just not going to speak about him anymore. If all this is happening to me, if this is the way you guys think about me, and if this is what you guys are doing to me, I'm just not going to speak about him anymore. I'm I'm not going to bring him up in conversation. But he couldn't. He couldn't hold back. Look, it was, it was like his bones were on fire. God's word was that important to him. God's word made him tired from trying to hold it back. Jeremiah was on fire for God. Jeremiah had a zeal to tell the people. The people mocked him. They they reported him to the authorities. They treated him like an outcast, yet he still took this unpopular message to the people because it was God's message, because it was the truth, and he had to tell it. It was like a fire in his bones. Jeremiah knew it and couldn't be silenced. Centuries later, Peter and John are preaching the Word of God And they made some folks around them mad because they told what God said and they were put into prison for telling God's words. And the next day they were threatened and ordered not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse verse 19, what Peter and John said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Why? Why did Jeremiah, why did Peter and John feel the way they did? Say the things they said. Proclaim the word of God. With so many fingers pointing at them. So many people laughing at them. So many accusing. So many trampling the message. How could they do that? Because they had a zeal to help. They had a zeal to help God. They had a zeal to help their fellow man. They had a zeal to make sure that the truth was proclaimed. That's how they could do it. Jeremiah had a fire in his bones. Peter and John, they they had to. They had to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They knew the truth. You know, John Lee Hooker had a blues song many years ago. A line in the song says this, One night I was laying down. I heard Mama and Papa talking. Papa told Mama, let that boy boogie woogie. It's in him and it's got to come out. What if you mamas and daddies felt that way about your children and the Word of God? What if you had that zeal, that fire in your bones? To, to Ball is good. Yeah, ball is good. Things to do are good. School is good. But God's Word and its proclamation should be a fire in your bones. You should have that zeal to help. You should be on fire for God, some like to say nowadays. Is the fire in you? Is the zeal to help God and, and mankind by telling and supporting the truth in you. You know, so many have lost their zeal to help. Would you agree? Is that you? So many have bought into the lies of, it doesn't matter what you believe. 
Doesn't matter where you go, just so you go. Have you heard that? Doesn't matter where you go, just so you go. Doesn't matter what you believe. We're all going to heaven, just taking different roads. How many of you heard that? So many in our fellowship just go along to get along because it's so much easier than telling the truth. It's so much easier than having that fire in your bones. So much easier than standing fast and firm. The fire is gone. There's no stomach for the battle anymore. John Waddy lists several groups who hate the church. But he summarizes it this way. In all these cases, we see common causes for their hatred of Jesus' church because she seeks to win their disciples to her Lord. Because she sees, because she fulfills her mission, she blocks the path to victory for their cause. Because she cites her master's condemnation of their sins, 2 Timothy 4.2. Because she proclaims a message that is the whole counsel of God, Acts chapter 20 verse 27. It is God's truth and thus superior to the teachings of their and all other groups. Folks hate the church because she affirms God's truth that Christ founded and is the head of only one church, Ephesians 4.4, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22, thus all other religious organizations are not his. People hate the church because she strives to be that one true church of Christ. People hate the church because she is uncompromising in her faith, because she is the bride of Christ who is Lord and judge of the world, Acts 17, verse 30, because her teachers expose the faulty claims of their doctrine and their organizations, because her teachers expose their deceitful wiles and tricks which limit their ability to deceive and attract followers, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, because she is the pillar and ground of the truth which they despise, 1 Timothy 3, 15, because their master hates the master of the church, John 8, 44 through 47, their master is the devil. God's word is serious business. Jeremiah, Peter, John, they understood. We need to understand what kind of zeal it takes to help God our fellow man, to help the truth be proclaimed, help God's kingdom grow. We must understand, like the fire in our own bones, we must understand Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, that God cannot have sin in His presence, and 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7, that He, God, is going to take vengeance on those who don't obey the gospel, who don't know the truth. We must have that zeal to help understand that all have sinned, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but that the power of God to save mankind is man's obedience to the gospel, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It's hard to do hard to do. Carrie Poole, you're a strong guy. Carrie Poole, I'm picking on you, Carrie. Carrie's like, oh man, please don't. I'm not going to pick on you hard. How would you like it if you had to stand flat-footed, not move, you had to look Carrie right in the eye, and Carrie got to punch you one good one right in the, right in the nose? <laughs> 
Could you do it? Could you do it? That'd be hard to do, to stand there and take the punch. When you proclaim God's word, you do just that. You set yourself up for a punch. You know what's going to happen. You have to stand there and take it. The zeal to help God is the same. We've been told, as you see on the screen, these particular passages, we've been told that, that you'll be hated for the name. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. But, Matthew five eleven, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. But, but that's hard to do. To take the punch when you, when you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And, and to stand there and take it. tough it takes the courageous it takes the tough to be a Christian you got to be tough to be a Christian Christians rejoice when they suffer shame for the name of Jesus Acts chapter 5 verse 41 it's been my experience even recent experience that if you speak boldly in the name of Jesus you will be persecuted Acts chapter 9 verse 29 you might be even even be expelled or thrown out of a few places. Acts chapter 13 and verse 10. Or excuse me, Acts chapter 13 verse 50. How would you act if you were beaten? Acts chapter 16 verse 22. And judged, Acts chapter 18 verse 22. And hated, Acts chapter 21 verse 36. And told you were not fit to live, Acts chapter 22 verse 22. All because you are a Christian. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? No. To see those angry faces because you stood up for the truth, condemning you, hating you, telling you you're foolish. That standing up for the truth is, is foolish. Using, they use the Bible out of context and try to make you feel foolish, try to make you feel bad. Sound like fun? No, it's, it's, it's not fun. I don't want that. I don't want that. But the truth is like a fire in my bones. I, I can't help but tell it. How about you? Christians, tough and courageous. We are, Second Corinthians 4 verse 9, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul said to Timothy, for the gospel, 2 Timothy 2 verse 9, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not changed. We must be on fire. We must have this fire in our bones, zeal to help further the cause of Jesus Christ, even if persecuted, even when untruth seems to flourish. You know, there's the denomination down in Gallatin that has over 7,000 people who attend on Sunday morning. 7,000 people. They have their main building and then they have numerous satellites throughout the area. And one is being started here in Portland. The people who go there are very proud of their accomplishments. And they say, look what God is doing. He, he must be for us. Just look at the numbers. Do you lose heart when you see things like that? 
I don't. You know, just because we think something is awesome doesn't mean God does. We need to make sure, Romans chapter 10, verse 2, I don't think I have this on here, that we have a zeal according to knowledge, that our zeal is coupled with knowledge. If if our zeal is not coupled with the truth, if we're not telling the truth, then we need to be quiet. Our zeal needs to be coupled with knowledge and not lose heart. We care intensely for the lost here at Fountainhead. Whatever we do, we need to do with all of our heart. We need to give our all here at Fountainhead. You know, the widow in Mark chapter 12, verse 42, it says that she gave all she had. She gave all. The woman in Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 9, she anointed Jesus with, with expensive oil. And Jesus praised her. She couldn't do everything, but she did what she could. I'm just an ordinary guy. But I serve an extraordinary God. And God can do great things with the ordinary. He can do extraordinary things with the ordinary. Even someone like me. If we're faithful and obey. You know, faithfulness. There's a rare trait, isn't it? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is is part of our job as as spouses, as parents, as children. It's a tough job, faithfulness. It's a rare trade in a lot of people. We need to be faithful to our job. We need to be faithful to our school and our learning. Faithfulness comes into play so many times. We need to be faithful to the church, to the call. You know, if, if we could be faithful to the church, if we could be faithful to the, jo- to the cause, if we could be faithful to our families, if we could be faithful to our school, if we could be faithful to our job, we could move mountains. But we never will if we don't have the zeal to get involved. It starts there. It starts with that fire in your bones. Do you have it? You know, Peyton's driving, as you know, and his permit says he has a curfew, 10 o'clock. We went out at, I think it was like 9.40 to go get a cold drink, and he was going to drive. It was almost like we were going to turn it into a pumpkin if we didn't get, you know, that's kind of what was growing on in my mind, you know. We got to get back, you know, 10 o'clock's the curfew there. I mean, that's the law. I mean, if he had been pulled over after curfew, it would have been me. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the passenger seat, but I'm the, the driver, designated driver, one with the designated license, you know, I would have been in trouble for that. We think, you know, we understand the rules in our society. We understand the rules of our laws. Why can't we understand that in the church? If the church has a certain way of living, the church has a certain way of being, the church has a certain way of doing, why do we have such a problem with being qualified to be a Christian? We, we don't have a problem with being qualified to be a driver. Why a Christian? One must be in Christ to be a Christian. One must be baptized into Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. Why do folks have such a problem with that? If you want your zeal to get in to count, get into Christ. 
That's where your zeal can be the most effective to get into Christ. You will be hated. You will be made fun of. You will be misunderstood. You may even be thrown out of places. Maybe even persecuted. Do you have the courage? Do you have the strength? Do you have the zeal to help the cause of Christ? Do you? Do you care deeply for the lost? Do you care deeply for your own lost soul? You can be saved. Stand with us as we stand and sing.